This is the opening bell, big fight reaction. And looking back, Matt Christie and me, Alex Demon, on Alexander Usyk against Derek Chisora. Once again, it seems, Matt, like we're talking about the scorecards thus ever it was in the current climate. Maybe it always was and maybe it always is going to be. How are you feeling the morning after the big fight? I was, I've, I've, got, I've got to be honest, I was surprised that people, I mean, there's, there's some people that were that were there that thought Chisora deserved to win that. And um, yeah, I, I, I was stunned by that opinion. I've got to be honest. I know that Tony Bellew was, was, was on Sky Sports kind of championing Derek Chisora. Um, and, you know, anyone that reads Boxing News or listens to this podcast will know I've got all the respect in the world for Tony Bellew. But I do wonder if he was in a situation where he had been very vocal about Chisora's chances and then kind of convinced himself into in, in, into the fact that, that, that Chisora won the fight. For me, it was a, a clear, clear victory for Alexander Usyk. Do you know what it, it brought home to me? And it's the discussion we've been having over the course of the last couple of weeks, the Terry O'Connor situation, the Robert Smith interview that we had last week as well. And we talked about how do you score a fight? I think this contest brings that very sharply into focus for me because if you're going to give credit to Derek Chisora and I think a line that Rob Smith used in his interview last week was Terry O'Connor thought that um, Ritson was forcing the fight against Miguel Vasquez. Well, many people will feel that Derek Chisora forced the fight against Alexander Yusuf, but you have to ask yourself, how many punches was he landing? How effective was he in trying to force the fight, inverted commas. And I must admit, I thought the first round, it was Derek Chisora against David Hay all over again. That kind of intense pressure. But by the end of the second, I thought Usyk looked comfortable and I thought he'd sussed him out. And I'm I'm not being Bertie Big Bananas or Smart Alec, but I text <laughs> a friend of mine immediately at the end of the second round. And I said, I think... I think Usyk will stop him in the second half of this fight. I think he's got this sussed already. And thereafter, I thought the gap between them got wider and wider and how effective you thought Chisora was. I, I, I thought he was pretty ineffectual through most of the second half of the fight, pretty much from round three to, to round 12. How did you score it personally? Um, I actually, I mean, I've got to be honest, I had it 10 rounds to two for Usyk while I was watching it. I, I, I think the first round you give to... Uh, Chisora, um, and I think you, you can make a case, maybe maybe even for the second round, for Chisora. The 11th round also was a really good round, really exciting. Potentially, you give that to, to Chisora as well. So if, if you kind of take those three rounds, you give those to Chisora. I st- I've got to be honest, I will struggle to give Chisora any more than those those three rounds. Um, I thought Usyk was, was particularly impressive um and but like you i think if if there's going to be a criticism of Usyk, and let's face it this is boxing there will be um it's that he didn't stop derek chisora a man who has been stopped by david hay who's been stopped by dillian white and who's been stopped by tyson fury but we've seen this so many times when a boxer goes up in weight for example Evander Holyfield went up in weight and he stopped James Tillis. Then he stopped Pinkland Thomas. 
and all the time we're being told that he hasn't got the power to trouble Mike Tyson um, in the heavyweight division. It doesn't quite work like that. My perception of Alexander Usyk after watching him last night is that he's going to be a handful for anyone in the division. It reminded me a little bit of the Luke Campbell uh, against Lomachenko fight in so much as Luke Campbell, more technical than Chisora, and it, it was a much more high-end fight. It's fair to say. I'm, I'm not drawing comparisons in that particular way. But I think Lomachenko tried to stop Campbell two or three times in the second half of the fight. And he he very nearly looked like he was about to start breaking him down bit by bit. And only Campbell's technique and his heart kept him in it. It wasn't quite the same story for Chisora, but I did think there were a couple of times in the second half of the fight where Usyk started to plant his feet, started to throw particularly the left hook round the guard, and he did hurt Chisora a couple of times. And it was only Chisora's heart, toughness and courage that I think prevented him from going down and perhaps uh, being stopped. So I thought that that, that, was, that was quite interesting, that the, the way he went about it a couple of times. Uh, Usyk. In the end, he wasn't quite able to dominate him in that way, as perhaps some people might have expected. In terms of how he goes about it at heavyweight, and let's not forget, Matt, it's only his, it's only his second fight at heavyweight, and I think as he said in an interview afterwards, it's his first fight in a year. I, I do think he felt rusty, he gave himself, what, it was a three out of ten afterwards and you can understand why he he was he was saying that so there's there's plenty more to come from him third fourth fight at heavyweight but i suppose the problem is he's 34 in january and time is is pressing on and he's going to be pushed into these big fights sooner rather than later so maybe he's not going to have the time to develop maybe he doesn't need it a lot to talk about there yeah 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 no absolutely i mean it's it, it's a worthwhile conversation though Alexander Usyk, the heavyweight. Um, I think he's such an intelligent boxer that you would, you would kind of presume that he, whoever he's in the ring with, he will kind of adapt very, very quickly. And we saw that last night. And I think that, you know, after after three rounds, maybe on the scorecards you could say after three rounds that it was kind of a close fight, but you still sensed that Usyk was the man very much in control. He, 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 he adapts quickly in a way that a fighter like Derek Chisora can't. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful to Derek Chisora at all. But I do genuinely believe that Alexander Usyk at heavyweight is a legitimate force in the division. I don't think we, he, what he would have wanted would have been kind of a standout performance. He would have wanted to do what David Hay did to... Derek Chisora or what Dillian White did to Derek Chisora. But as I said at the start, that's not the way it necessarily works in the heavyweight division. And that you could... It's also not... It's not the way he fights, Matt, either, isn't it? No, exactly. Most importantly. No, exactly, exactly. So can Alexander Usyk win a 12-round decision against Anthony Joshua? Can he kind of perform and befuddle Anthony Joshua? Yes, Yes, I think he can. Yes, I think he can. I'm not saying I'm. I'm not saying I'm, I'm. I'm picking that outcome, but what you have with Alexander Usyk, and I think if there's any question marks about whether he can compete at heavyweight, they've all been answered now, and that with Usyk you have someone who is right there with Joshua and Tyson Fury, 
as one of the best fighters in the division. No question. I, th I think a lot of boxing fans will have come away from last night. I think we have to give Usyk a little bit of a pass in the overall appreciation or, or grading of his performance, given he's been a year out of the track, off the track, and it, it was his first um, outing in that year as well as his second outing at, at, at heavyweight. But people will come away from the performance map with, I, th I suspect, legitimate questions about quite how he really does compete against some of the big guys like Joshua and like Fury. I, I feel last night I watched him and I think he beats most other heavyweights, not without too much difficulty, but but I think he can do it relatively comfortably. And I felt in the end, that's what he did to uh, Chisora. I thought his defence was excellent. The way he just takes that half step back, draws the lead and then comes back with quick counters. And then he starts to manoeuvre his opponents around the, the ring, not necessarily on the front foot, but he does it in terms of how the action unfolds just with his footwork and his upper body movement and his ring intelligence. I thought he was so good in spells last night, but I think people will have legitimate questions about that sort of performance, how he went about it and how that, merges and mingles with the, the skill set and the sizes of both Fury and, and Joshua, if that comes to bear in the coming months and years. I agree with you completely. I think I think it's 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 very difficult with, with someone like Alexander Yusik and then you kind of compare him probably to Tyson Fury, who is six foot nine, so he's gonna to be towering over Yusik and you kind of would then presume with you know with a fair amount of sense you would then presume that 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 Fury will be able to kind of wipe out the gifts and the skills that Usyk has got. Usyk has put himself in a division where he's going to be kind of disadvantaged because of the size of these guys. But I just think that his ring intelligence gives him a real chance. And to kind of go back to that Evander Holyfield thing, I mean, I think if you, if you think back to that, and I remember, I mean, even when Evander Holyfield knocked out James Buster Douglas in three rounds to win the world heavyweight title. And then he went 12 rounds with George Foreman. He had a real struggle with Burt Cooper. Then he went 12 rounds with a, a, another old man in Larry Holmes. And people were constantly saying that Evander Holyfield was just overrated. He didn't belong in the division because he wasn't scoring the kind of knockouts that, that Mike Tyson was before him. And you will probably get this with Usyk in that he's not scoring the kind of knockouts that Joshua is. He's not as physically imposing as Tyson Fury is. I'm not saying that Usyk will go on to achieve what Evander Holyfield did. What I'm saying is that you need to almost give him a bit of a pass, really, because he's such a clever and intelligent fighter that he could be a substantial factor in this division. At the age of, as you say, 34 in January, time isn't on his side. But I think that... If he is in the fights that we hope he's going to be in in the next two years, you can't write him off against anyone in the division. Derek Chisora was understandably, I say understandably, in the prism of his mind, Tony Bellew's support and one or two others who had that as a close fight. In that, in that context, he was understandably disappointed and downbeat afterwards. He said he would chase a, a, an immediate rematch. That seems to be par for the course these days, doesn't it, with the, the big heavyweights. He turns 37, Matt, in, what, a month's time or, or so, I think, 
uh, Derek Chisora. He's had an ex- a relatively extraordinary career, really, when you think about it. And it is one that kind of almost stands the test of time in the competitiveness of it and the kind of company he's kept and some of the fights that he's been in. He's generally been better, I think, when you look at his losses compared to his his wins. And I was sort of looking through the ledger. I mean, you know, the two against White, defeat to Pulev, Vitali, Hellenius. You look at all of those defeats, arguably those are his best performances compared to some of his better wins, which would be laterally to Cam and, and, and Spilka. But do you, I mean, I don't think a rematch is going to happen, is it? If it was, would you fancy that actually with the benefit of that run out, that Usyk could do a better better job just to give some sort of context? I don't, I don't imagine it's going to happen. No, I, I, no, I don't even think for a second it would it would happen. Why would it really? Um, um, yeah, I think I think that if a rematch was to happen, I think you would see a probably more confident Usyk in terms of he now knows that he can go 12 rounds in the heavyweight division, etc., etc. So, yeah, I'd... I, yeah, I'd be, I'd be, ast- frankly, astonished if a rematch was to happen. And let's, if we're going to be perfectly honest, the fight wasn't particularly overly exciting either, was it? It wasn't, it wasn't like a classic, classic encounter. But what we have in Derek Chisora is one of the best heavyweights of the last decade. Um, not right up there in the best two or three, of course. But if you look at his record, the, the only guys he hasn't really fought is uh, Anthony Joshua and Vladimir Klitschko. Everyone else, he's, he's, he's kind of been in there and he always, well, not always, he generally gives a very good account of himself. Um, but that's 10 defeats now, approaching 37 years old. What What is left for him to achieve? You know, we're not going to sit here and tell him to retire. Um, he loves, he clearly loves the sport. It brings the best out in him as a person. Um but I think that world, you know, the world title will prove eternally elusive for Derek Chisora. Uh, yeah, I'm with age and the the various machinations and the makeup of it. I'll, I'll give you one potential exit strategy for Chisora. And we spoke to Callas Ireland, didn't we? Um, a couple of months ago in one of the early pods. He is desperate. And Eddie Hearn, who was on uh, subsequently, uh, reinforced the notion but he is desperate to get a World Boxing Super Series heavyweight um, event. And I'm pretty sure you'd throw Derek Chisora in and amongst the, the names if there were eight of them, wouldn't you? Or if they were going to do two separate tournaments, wouldn't he be the kind of name that would would potentially be in, in that mix-up? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Chisora's not going, to have a, not going to have any trouble whatsoever getting a fight. It's just kind of... Where does he what where does, where reasonably is he gonna is he gonna end up after it? For example, I mean we've got we've got um, the uh, we've got we've got a series of heavyweight fights approaching where you've got Dillian White against Povetkin, in the rematch. You've got um, Daniel Dubois against Joe Joyce. I mean, in the short term, Derek Chisora against the winner or loser of any of those bouts would would kind of do business while 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 we're waiting for. For Fury and um, Joshua to to kind of culminate their business, so he's not going to have any problem whatsoever getting a fight. I just, I guess, knowing him as I do and following his career for so long, I suppose not being a fighter myself, but I'm kind of just saying, 
I'd, I'd like him to, to to kind of call it quits now, just for his own good, to be honest. It's a long career he's had. There's a lot of punches he's taken. And even though he is still incredibly charismatic, um, he's articulate, you do start to fear about these boxers' future the longer they continue when they're taking the punches that Derek Chisora has taken. And I'm just being, I'm just being honest there. Yeah, made his debut on the Michael Katsidis Graham Earl bill, which I was sort of uh, reminding myself and a few people just on Saturday night when we're talking about uh, Katsidis and indeed Derek uh, Chisora. So we'll see about that. Let's just underline uh, this discussion for now with one point on both fighters. First of all, on Chisora, is there... Is there anything that he did on the night that you can understand why people thought that it was as close as 115, 113, or indeed that um, it might have gone the other way? He was, he, he, yeah, I mean, as, as you kind of identified at the start of the conversation, he was, you, you, you could argue, he was forcing the fight. Um, he was initiate, initiating a lot of the action, um, he was also spinning around when he'd missed and, and, and everything else. I think that he might look back on that and and, and even suggest that, that he could have done more. Um, he didn't really change what he was doing. Um, personally, can, can I understand scorecards that, 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 that had Chisora in a close fight or had him winning? I've got to be honest, I can't. And I've, I've, as I've said, I've got all the time in the world for Derek Chisora, but no, couldn't see it. No, I couldn't see. And we, we, you know, completely independent on this. And we hadn't spoken about it before coming on the, the, the pod either. But I, I just I just don't see anything that he did outside the first couple of rounds as being effective in any way. And he was he was hitting thin air, almost hitting light bulbs on occasions as well with some of those wild punches. David Hay did say beforehand that he was going to hit anything he could. And Hay was right. He was hitting things, but not many of them included parts of the body uh, that belonged to Alexander Usyk, for me, personally. Uh, but that is boxing, and people do have opinions out there that will completely and utterly disagree. And if you do, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you uh, on an ongoing basis, whether that's on iTunes, leaving a review and a comment, um, on Amazon Music, we're available now, or any of the other uh, platforms and outlets. Please do get in touch with us, and Matt and I are both on Twitter as well. Matt C Boxing News and me at Alex Steedman, two E's in the steed. Right, final word then on Alexander Usyk. He's pretty much gearing up for, for world level. Now he says, well, of course, against Chisora, he's already dipped his toe in there anyway. What do you think is the, the right logical next step for him and his team? I think in an ideal world, he needs two or three more fights in the division, whether his body um, will allow him to have those three fights, whether the politics of boxing will allow him to. We, we know that he's, he's a WBO mandatory and he wants, to, he wants that title shot. Um, I suspect we'll probably see him in his next fight in a, in, a, in, a, in a fight for that vacant title as if Joshua or Pulev um, give up that belt um, in order to face Tyson Fury. So I think, realistically, we will probably see Alexander Usyk in a WBO title fight in his next fight. That was all happening in the UK on a big weekend of boxing internationally. And stateside, uh, there were two 
big fights. Javonta Davis against Leah Santa Cruz and Noya Anui making his top rank American debut against Jason Maloney as well. Both of them ending in spectacular uh, stoppages. Watch them, folks, if you can. Uh, the Davis-Santa uh, Cruz fight was picked up by Channel 5. Uh, I was able to record that live. I think Channel 5's uh, catch-up server is pretty good as well, folks. They are owned by an American company with ties to boxing stateside too. So this could be a really interesting development. And we'll talk about that for British boxing fans uh, in due course uh, in the pod on Thursday when we'll go into this in more uh, detail. Inui. Uh, putting down Maloney a couple of times, left hook midway through the fight, and then eventually it was a big right hand that stopped it in right seven. But it was Davis against Santa Cruz that was a compelling fight from start to, to finish. Stop the betting on knockout of 2020 and perhaps knockout of the decade, folks, because Javonta Davis provided that and produced it at the end of a stirring contest. Wow. Wow. My missus and partner was upstairs, Matt, while I was watching downstairs. And she came running down, wondering what on earth had happened. Because <laughs> I got a, a nord of a lie. I got up off the sofa and just walked around in a circle for about a minute saying, wow, wow. I just was blown away by it, as was Leah Santa Cruz. Astonishing punch. It really was, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine you. I can imagine you. Uh, wonderful vision, by the way. Wonderful, wonderful vision I now have in my head. Um, yeah, it was, um, you know, first of all, let me kind of uh, apologise to, to to Davis because I, I, I was convinced that he wouldn't make weight in the first place. And I, and I, I guess that's kind of, because it's happened so many times in the past, but I think as soon as I heard that he had made 130 pounds, I was then convinced that he was going to win. I think we, we, we all heard last week that I was sitting on the fence quite happily, but as soon as he made weight, I was off that fence and I was in, I was in Davis's corner, to be honest. By the way, he still had to take his knickknacks off to make weight, Matt. So you, you weren't, you weren't so far off. (laughs) And and it also, it still raises a question going forward. He, He said afterwards, Line him up, 130, 135, line him up, and I'll knock him down. Pretty much what Teofimo Lopez said just a few weeks ago after he beat Lomachenko. We have two stars of the sport emerging here, folks, and that's going to be the discussion that will evolve and develop on Thursday in the main podcast as well. But um, no, you were, you were right to question that. Nobody can question this guy now. He is the real deal. That's 23 knockouts in 24, and he saved the best until now. Yeah, exactly, and I, you know, and, and I know we kind of touched upon it um, last week in regards to the two uh, world titles on the line in this fight. It's not the first time this has happened. It's happened on a handful of occasions in the past. I'm not a huge fan of it yet. I still, I, I just think you know, you mentioned there, Tiafimo Lopez. Wouldn't this have been better if this was a contest? And we knew that what happens next is that the winner of Davis Santa Cruz goes on to fight Tiafimo Lopez, as opposed to oh, he's got two world champ, he's got two world titles. If we can keep building towards the best versus the best, as hopefully this will be kind of 
uh, a stepping stone in that journey, then then wonderful. I don't want to downplay what Javonta Davis achieved last night. But the next step now is a fight with Tiafimo Lopez, or it should be. That is the ideal scenario, and everyone is going to be fascinated by that fight. What we have, though, is a little bit of confusion. Oh, I've got two world championships, etc., etc. Yes, on a weekend where there were seemingly two eliminators to face um, Teofimo Lopez on different sides of the Atlantic. <laughs> you saw that in the Lee Selby fight where he lost, and you saw it on one of the undercard fights on Davis against Santa Cruz as well. We're going to go into all of that in more detail on Thursday's pod, so make sure you tune in for that, and we'll also reflect on the uh, latest performance from the monster himself, Noya Inoue, back doing what he does uh, best, two sparkling performances on the other side of the Atlantic. So Matt and I will be back on Thursday. Make sure you tune in for all of that. That was uh, Boxing News' a big fight, bite back, uh, reflecting on all of the action from the weekend. We'll be back on Thursday. Bye for now.